If your baby was born prematurely, you may be concerned the same thing could happen with your future children. But are you really more at risk? What factors typically result in preterm births? And what can you do during your pregnancy to make it full term? Vicki Lombardo, Associate State Director of Program Services for the California chapter of the March of Dimes, is joining us today. We are discussing ways we can reduce premature births. This is Preggy Pals, Episode 61. Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant and I have to exercise. What pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? (laughs) Gotta make these pants fit. I've got kinkles. What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Preggy Pals is your weekly online on-the-go support group for expecting parents and those hoping to become pregnant. I'm your host, Sunny Galt. Are you looking for an older episode of Preggy Pals? Be sure to visit the episode link on our website and check out the episode guide for links to all of our shows. And thanks to all of our loyal listeners who have joined our Preggy Pals Club. Our members get all of our archived episodes, bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. You'll also get a free subscription to Pregnancy Magazine. You can see our website, preggypals.com, for more information. And another way for you guys to stay connected is by downloading our free Preggy Pals app. It's available in the Android and iTunes marketplace. So let's meet other ladies joining us here in the studio. Um, Molly, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. My name is Molly Riffle. I'm 32 years old. I'm a teacher. Um, my due date was May 16th, and I have two little girls. Um, one is uh, two and a half, and the other one is now 11 weeks. <laughs> um, I had uh, vaginal births with both, okay. and with my second one, I had preterm labor. Uh, started out with a little bit of spotting and cramping, and throughout the day, it just got more intense cramping, um, but just like period cramps really low. And by the end of the day, intense, non-regular, like I wasn't on a regular, uh, I did, wasn't cramp or contracting regularly um but went to the hospital and they tried giving me um uh, magnesium that didn't work and four hours after i got to the hospital she was out oh my so it was really quick very intense very unexpected wow because i remember i met you and i thought you were only around 30 weeks and then i saw something on facebook about you having the baby i'm like oh my gosh what just just happened did i totally lose track of time yeah it went really quick it was very i mean even the doctors told me when i first went in they're like oh we'll we'll stop it you'll go a couple more weeks and you'll be fine and after about two hours on the magnesium i was like this isn't working i'm (sighs) getting more my contractions were getting more regular Oh I, they gosh. were just spacing out to three hours and they were or three minutes and they were getting very very intense and they're like no it's supposed to be you know not as intense I was like well it's not happening right so it just within I mean my I, mean, I think my labor was total from what start to finish was like twelve hours oh my goodness so it was it was fast crazy it was yeah really fast. yeah wow okay um, Stephanie is joining us here in the studio Stephanie is our producer Preggy Pals and she is our social media guru who is checking out Twitter and Facebook if you guys want to join our conversation you can join our little Twitter party by following um, hashtag Preggy Pals VP which stands for virtual panelist so Stephanie is going to be checking that out throughout the episode Stephanie tell us a little bit about yourself I am Stephanie I'm 30 years old I have a well, how old is she? Almost six-month-old daughter, and um, 
And like Sunny just said, I'm a producer for Preggy Pals. Yay! <laughs> okay, a um, little bit about myself. I got um, some interesting news recently. Um, <laughs> I am pregnant. I thought I was going in for a routine appointment, and this was for like a pre-screening test, you know, just first trimester stuff. And uh, we discovered we are having twins. Yay! Um, so I got this news a couple weeks ago. So I thought we were going to be a, a family of five. We are now going to be a family of six. So I have two older children. One is three. My oldest is three. Uh, my youngest is one, and we've got two little babies on the way. We are due in December. I hope I make it to December. Gosh, this is, you guys, I just feel like this pregnancy is just off the wall. Like, I don't even know what's going to happen. You know, I thought, okay, with a singleton, you know what's going on. You know what to expect. I've been through this a couple times already, and now I'm just, I don't know what's going on. It's totally crazy. But anyways, regarding today's topic, I, I am really interested in this because, of course, with twin pregnancies, premature births happen all the time. I'm really glad we're doing it so we will be right back save big money when you start your next project today at menards check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock ready to take home today we carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest menards you can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on menards.com save big money at We have a question from one of our listeners. Carrie writes to us on our Facebook page, and Carrie says, I've been putting together my birth plan. I'm a little torn about whether to do a natural or managed placenta delivery. Wait, before I continue with this question, Carrie, sweetie, we never want to say torn and, and birth in the same <laughs> the same sentence. That's bad karma. No tearing during birth. Um, anyway, she continues, I'm doing hypnobirthing, which recommends no Pitocin and no cord traction. I discussed this with my midwife, and she's totally fine with that if that's what I want. However, she would typically administer Pitocin right after birth. I've been trying to research both choices and it seems like there's pros and cons for both routes, so I really don't know what to do. Hi, Carrie. My name is Care Messer and I'm a doula and a hypnobirthing educator. Good for you for doing research on whether or not a managed placental delivery is right for you. It's good to know both sides so you can make an informed decision. The science behind using Pitocin after birth is to prevent postpartum hemorrhage by helping the placenta to eject faster and help the uterus clamp down and stop the bleeding quicker. But only one out of 100 women have a postpartum hemorrhage, and that's 1% of moms. In my own birth, I felt those odds were pretty good, so I asked my OB why they always gave Pitocin. She said that it's their safety net. If they have 10 moms on the floor and they all get Pitocin, they prevented what could have been a postpartum hemorrhage. She said that at a home or a birth center birth, you'd have a midwife by your side a lot longer to monitor your bleeding and blood pressure so automatic Pitocin would not be so necessary. I followed up with a question about natural birth. If I chose not to get Pitocin at the hospital, what would happen? She said, oh, you'd just get a nurse in the room monitoring you like a midwife. She wouldn't leave your side. I'm usually just too busy or need to get back to clinic, so I wouldn't be there. Pitocin helps me get out of the room faster as well because if the placenta delivery is faster and I have to suture or whatever, it'll take less time than waiting for the placenta to naturally come out. It was great information to have and I was so glad that I asked. Keep in mind that in natural birth, some awesome hormonal exchanges are going on between mother and baby. When the baby is placed on your chest right after birth and then allowed to remain there skin to skin, they begin to have pre-breastfeeding behaviors. 
The baby moves towards your nipple. They paw around it with their hands in their mouth. This stimulates a release of oxytocin, your love hormone, that naturally begins to contract and clamp down on your uterus. Then the baby's natural stepping reflex that they use to help crawl up toward the breast, those little feet also knead and massage the uterus, so it also encourages the uterus to clamp down and stop bleeding. Then once they latch and begin to suck, it increases the oxytocin release more fully, and that's why the cramping may become more intense when breastfeeding starts. All of these are your body's own natural safety measures that have worked for hundreds of thousands of years all over the world and still work today. Our bodies are amazing and pretty powerful if we just let them do their thing. It's nice to know that we do have a backup plan, though, if we are the 1%. But if we are the 99%, our baby and body will work together just fine. You can read more about the hormonal exchange between baby and parents during pregnancy and birth on sarahbuckley.com, and you can download her free ebook called Ecstatic Birth. Hope that helps. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode is all about pregnancy and preemies. The topic was submitted by Katie Mateague, one of our Facebook friends. And Katie writes, Hi, Sunny. I love the show. I've been listening since the beginning, even before I was pregnant. I'm 27 weeks with my third. I have seven-year-old twins who were born at 30 weeks. I'm really nervous that I will have another preemie and would love to hear from you about pregnancy after a preemie and how others cope with it. Keep up the great work. Well, Katie, thank you so much for this email, um, for suggesting it. I think it's a fantastic topic and something that really isn't talked about that much. So joining us on the phone is Vicki Lombardo. She is the Associate State Director for Program Services for the California Chapter of the March of Dimes. That is a mouthful. I'm glad I got it out. (laughs) And for those of you who don't know, the March of Dimes is a nonprofit organization focused on reducing premature births and birth defects. So Vicki, welcome to Preggy Pals. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, absolutely. So, Vicki, let's kick things off by defining what a premature birth is. Uh, everyone needs to know, first of all, that a, pregnancy, a normal pregnancy is 40 weeks long. So a premature birth is any birth that happens before the completion of 37 weeks of pregnancy. Okay. And then what factors typically lead to a preterm birth? Well, when you talk in uh, terms of researchers, they group them in about four categories of causes. Forty percent of the causes, when it happens, we don't know why it happens. But here are the four groupings, and one is infections and inflammation. And whether that's of the fetal membranes or it might be even uh, dental or periodontal disease, it's an infection the body is fighting, can lead to preterm birth. The second grouping is maternal or fetal stress, and that can be Uh, Chronic psychosocial stress, for instance, a woman that's not living in a safe environment, or it can be stressful for the baby because they're not getting enough nourishment for some reason. The body releases hormones that then cause the, the uterus to contract. The third grouping is bleeding, and that is uh, often associated with the placenta and it wanting to let go from the uterus, and that will cause the uterus to contract. And the fourth is stretching, 
We're talking about twins this morning. I've heard that more several <laughs> times. When there's more than one baby in there, the uterus begins to stretch. Now, the, it's not all bad about having twins. Um, 75% of those pregnancies go on to term, so it can be done. But when you get to triplets and quadruplets and higher order multiples, those are always born preterm. The second thing I wanted folks to know is your lifestyle affects your risk for preterm birth. And um, there's a comprehensive list on the March of Dimes website at marchofdimes.com. But some of those are no prenatal care, smoking, drinking alcohol, uh, domestic violence I mentioned, um, extreme levels of stress, working long days and standing long periods of time. And then the mother's health is the other thing. So the March of Dimes encourages women to see a doctor before you get pregnant to make sure you're healthy. For instance, that you're the right weight. You don't have an infection. You don't have diabetes. Your blood pressure is normal. And there are several other things that they will check you for and talk to you about. Okay, so I want to toss this over to Molly. Molly, did they, first of all, there's probably a question of yours. Why is this happening? Did they give you a reason or were they able to break stuff down for you? We were moving prior to uh, the birth. So uh-huh. it was probably just a lot of going, you know, bending over, standing up packing, unpacking. Yeah. So that's what the doctor thinks because I didn't have any other, no other complications. With my first one, I had a uh, hypertension towards the end, but had no problems with this one whatsoever. And they think it was probably for moving. And I had the flu two weeks prior. So they think that might have softened my cervix because oh, I threw up so many times. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. combination between getting sick yeah. and then the stress of moving and actually physically, you know, bending over and doing stuff. Yeah, I feel like, you know, going through that list of things that could lead to it, Vicki, I feel like that's, there's a lot of things that could lead to it. It's, it's a little bit scary. It does, Not all of them are, are direct causes, okay. but they all add to your risk. And that's what we're trying to do is just reduce that risk. And one of the ones that I did not list is, you know, if you're African-American, your risk of having a preterm birth is twice as high as if you are a Caucasian or a Latina. So, and we, that, that's the group that we don't know about. Hmm, that's amazing. Well, we and, don't have those answers. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so one of the other things I wanted to discuss is elective interventions and how <laughs> those can lead to preterm births. Can you tell us a little bit about that? They can lead to complications with the baby primarily. Um, we seem to be an impatient society. We want our food n- nuked instead of uh, <laughs> cooked slowly in the oven. And so... Um, we don't want to wait till 40 weeks of gestation or we want to, we don't want to wait until we go into spontaneous labor. So it seemed to be an increasing trend that women were asking for elective inductions or elective C-sections. They just, they didn't want to go through labor. And when, when, when those were being done before the completion of 39 weeks of pregnancy, now that's two weeks longer than spontaneous labor, those babies were getting in trouble, and they're going into the neonatal intensive care unit. So the Market Dimes is working very hard with doctors, nurses, and the general public to get them to understand that unless there's a medical indication, we should not cause a delivery to happen 
either by C-section or by induction. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, we hear about this a lot in, in the birth community here in San Diego. We're making a big push for this not to happen as much. But, you know, it's not always just the, the moms that want this, but we're finding that the doctors are pushing for this. I mean, they have their schedules and everything, too. So I feel like, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a two-way street here. But, you know, the point is the same, and that is keep these babies in as long as we possibly can, right? Yes, and I would encourage the moms, if, if the doctor is suggesting, hey, why don't you come in on Friday for an induction? And that frequently is the conversation, or I'm going on vacation, I can probably induce you safely on Friday, something like that. One of the things the mom needs to know is not only there's a risk to the baby, but also it, an elective induction before 39 weeks increases her risk of having a cesarean birth by 50%. And we're encouraging women to ask the doctor four questions. There's a fifth one. The first one is, what is the risk to me and what's the risk to my baby of doing this? And the second set of questions is, what's the benefit to me and what's the benefit to my baby in doing this? So if you ask those four questions, that's a nice way to begin that conversation with the doctor. The last question is, so how was my pregnancy dated? So sometimes... um, There's lots of ultrasounds done, and there's a time frame when the dating of a pregnancy by ultrasound is accurate, and then those later ultrasounds, when we're so tempted to change the due date, those aren't as accurate. And so we want to make sure that he is following uh, the right criteria for dating the pregnancy. Okay. Yeah, and I feel like that's all over the map sometimes, too. Like, I know when I went yeah. in for my, just my, my eight-week ultrasound, believe it or not, um, the ultrasound showed a singleton, which was obviously off, and um, it also showed that the baby was measuring small, um, and so it, it totally threw off the due date, which, honestly, I don't even know what my due date is anymore. I don't know if they change it. I mean, the, this whole twin news is is new for us, but I feel like, you know, more and more moms that come on Preggy Pal say, you know what, one person gave me this due date, another person gave me this, and, and you don't even really know what it is, right? So that that's kind of scary because, you know, if you don't know when the baby is really supposed to come, then if they try to take it early, you know, they could be really be taking it early, you know? Yes. So yeah. the, the safest way to know it's time for the baby to deliver is to go into spontaneous labor. Right. That's the safest way. But there's also the American Congress of Obstetrics and Gynecologists, that's the professional organization, set standards for that for all the doctors to use. And so they, if they use those standards for dating pregnancies, then you're going to have the most accurate uh, estimation of your due date. Okay, makes sense. So, Vicki, I feel like, you know, we've been talking about preterm labor, but a lot of the people that listen to our show are pregnant for the first time, and they may not know what, you know, labor even feels like, or even preterm labor, or what some of the signs are. So can we go over that a little bit? What, um, I know everybody's pregnancies are different, and what they feel, you know, in, in going into labor may be different, but what are some of the common signs of preterm labor? Some of the common signs are a feeling of tightening of the uterus is one of them. Those are called contractions. Um, It tightens like a fist, and it will do that on a regular basis. That's one way, but not everybody feels that. The second would uh, would be a change in vaginal discharge. Um, It feels like you're leaking a fluid. There may be a little bleeding from your vagina, uh, whether it's brownish or reddish, because the cervix is starting to to stretch. Um, A third way is just pelvic pressure, feeling that like the baby's pushing down. It's not 
it's not feeling hard. It's not. It just feels different. Uh, a third subtle one, or a fourth one, is low or dull backache. Uh, it's just everyone. Everyone who's pregnant has a backache, but this <laughs> one seems to come and go. Um, the other way to describe it for folks is just as women feel menstrual uh, cramps differently, the same thing is true with labor. So if it feels like you're having like menstrual-like cramps and you're you know in the second half of your pregnancy, that could be preterm birth. And then it, some uh, some women will describe it like they're having abdom- um, intestinal cramps, like like you have diarrhea or something like that. Um, and that may be you may be what you're actually having are contractions. So those are all times when you should call your doctor and talk to them about that. Okay. I know that when I had my first child, my, 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 I I was cramping everywhere, all over my belly, everything. And with my second one, I was cramping just from the bottom. That's why I didn't think I was going into labor because it was just, you know, just at the very bottom, just the base of my pelvic bone. That's the only place I was having the cramps. And the doctor's like, well, you know, it could be preterm labor. I was, I'd had Braxton Hicks before Uh and that was all over. So I th- that's why I thought this was, you know, no big deal, something different. I just, you know, strained myself. For, yeah. And the doctor said, no, it could be preterm labor. You know, come on in, let's check you. And because I, I mean, I, I was, I had let it go for probably six hours before I even called the doctor because it was just, you know, wasn't a big deal to me. Could you time them at all? No. And that's the thing no. is it was coming and going and there'd be times where I could go for 40 minutes and no contractions. And there's times where I'd go for like, you know, consecutively for two minutes and there was no rhyme or reason to what was going on. And that's when I finally went, okay, something's, something's happening. Wow. Yeah. And then I also had the spotting. Yeah. And that's what kind of scared me was the spotting. Yeah. So I didn't have that at all with my first one. So these were brand new symptoms. Right. That you hadn't right. Experienced before. Yeah. I think, I think it's helpful to have already had a pregnancy to kind of know what to <laughs> yeah. expect. Because to then, compare it to, yeah. And, and yeah, they can be different across the board, of course, but um, we get more like red flags. Yes. You know, oh, yes. This, this isn't the same. Right. You know? Right. Um, so Vicki, for listeners that um, are listening to this episode right now and have had a premature baby in the past, I know they have a lot of questions about this and we'll dive into that a little more in the second half of the show, but what are your odds of having another premature baby if you've already had one? Well, when you look at the at overall in the United States, everyone has a 5% chance of having a preterm baby, whether they've had one or not. Okay. And you've had one preterm baby then you increase those chances to 15%. It's not, ex- not excruciatingly high, and certainly you can have one preterm baby followed by term babies. If, you have, if your first baby was term and your second baby was preterm like Molly's, now you're increasing to 24% for mm-hmm. the third baby. So you think about that as you, as you plan your future. If you've had two preterm babies, then you're kind of on the track for preterm birth, and you're up mm-hmm. to 33% then. Okay, so it really does kind of build on your previous pregnancies, right? Yes. Well, that's our best predictor. Again, okay. remember, um, just as Molly had one term birth and then uh, had a preterm birth, we can't tell you when it's going to happen for sure, but we do know in studying all of the data that there is an increased risk, and the best predictor of the risk of, having a, of a woman having a preterm birth is that she had one already. Okay. So we watch them much more closely. Sure. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to discuss what options moms-to-be have in reducing their odds of having another premature birth. Plus, what should parents know if their baby is born preterm? We'll be right back. 
Welcome back. Today we're talking about pregnancy and premature births, and our expert is Vicki Lombardo with the California chapter of the March of Dimes. So, Vicki, what medical options do parents have to try and prevent another premature birth or even stop labor if they happen to go into labor? Well, uh, I'll get to stopping labor later. Okay. Uh, but as far as the options that you have right now, um, the, the biggest, most important thing you can do is to see your doctor when you start thinking about getting pregnant. Okay. When you stop using birth control and you're actually trying to get pregnant, you want to have seen the doctor first because then your healthcare practitioner, the, the he or she, can help make sure that you're as healthy as possible. That's one of the pieces that are so very important. So you're the right weight, your blood pressure's in control, you don't have high blood sugar, they've checked you for everything else, and you've stopped smoking. Okay. That's the first thing. Then for the, for the women that are listening that have had a preterm birth, a single baby, and it was delivered preterm, then we have a medication now that the doctor can give you during this second pregnancy that will decrease your risk of having a, pre, a second preterm birth by up to 70%. And we, it's, a, it's a great big long medical name, but it's friendly known as 17P. It's a progesterone um, that's given to the moms, and we're successfully helping moms that have single, single pregnancies, one baby, um, to go on to term in um, much larger numbers now. It's, it's a shot, Vicki? Is that what you said it was? It's a shot, and you get it weekly okay. yes, from your doctor. And... Um, they know, you're, they know you're at risk, and then you get it throughout your pregnancy. Okay, but you have had to, you have already had to have a premature baby in order to get that. Yes, you, okay. wouldn't, you wouldn't give it to someone um, that, has, has, that we have no indication that they're going to have a preterm birth. Okay. Now, the doctors will go deeper into it, and I, I, I do not have the expertise of a doctor. I'm a nurse, but I, I don't have an expertise of a doctor. There are... Um, gels and things that they can use if your short cervix is getting short and there are other conditions going on. So all hope is not lost for everyone, but we do know that this 17P has been very effective and we're encouraging all the doctors to use that with their patients. Oh, stopping preterm labor. Um, the bad news is that if, if a woman is truly in preterm labor, she can't be stopped. We don't know how to stop it yet. And I hear you say, but I had mag sulfate. Um, there are several different drugs that we can give a mom to slow down the contractions. Now, if you weren't in true preterm labor in the first place, those medications will stop those contractions. But if you're really in preterm labor, your body has decided it's time to deliver, we can't stop it, but we can slow it down, and it gives us an opportunity to give you two two shots of a medication that will help the baby's lungs mature because the biggest risk to the baby is is that their lungs won't be developed enough and we'll have to give them oxygen or something after they are born. So we give you these two injections. The second thing that slowing down that um, those contractions help with is a chance for the doctor to assess what level hospital you are presently being cared for in, where, where you are. Um, if you're going to have a premature baby and there's not a NICU in that hospital, a neonatal intensive care unit in that hospital, then you should be moved before you deliver to the next level hospital where there is one to care for your preterm baby. Okay, so I have a quick question. So if I could have been gotten to the doctor sooner on the day that I started having 
contractions would because I only got one of the steroid shots because it uh-huh. everything happened so fast. Is there a possibility if I had gone earlier, they might have prolonged my labor a little bit longer than the twelve hours? It, it, they could. It's possible. Yes. It's, okay. It's possible, but don't feel guilty about that. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about for the next one. If if we do have a next one, just I've learned that you know, okay, if I feel anything, get to the doctor. So if there's anything that we can do, you know, do as much as we can. That's what you would want to do, and it's best for the baby, and it decreases right. the baby's respiratory complication risk if you can get both of those shots right, for right, the baby. Yes. Right. Okay. So, Vicki, um, and actually this is a question for Molly, too. I kind of want to give our audience um, an idea of what it's like, especially within the first, I mean, I guess it depends on how early um, you end up delivering your baby, but in those initial days and even weeks, um, what parents can expect with a premature baby? I mean, we've been talking about the NICU, um, and again, I know everything depends on how how old the baby is um, at the time of birth, but, um, you know, Molly, let's start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience? I know you're baby just got out yesterday so this is very fresh in your yes. mind um if you had advice to give to, to parents of premature babies what would it be based on your experience well our daughter was born with uh down syndrome and also a congenital heart defect mm-hmm. so we pretty much knew that she was gonna, if she's gonna be early she was gonna have to be in the NICU to be monitored okay um and the scare was you know she was early so we were gonna have worry about her lungs okay. luckily her lungs came out fine but the first few weeks were tough just adjusting to knowing that you know okay She's here. Something's going wrong. She went into heart failure early on Mm -hmm. as well. We were trusting our doctors and what they were saying. And we got to the point where we realized we needed to be starting to ask questions. And, you know, why are you doing this? What's the reasons behind giving her this? Um, Lots of questioning. I mean, you know, they're there to to help her, but they were also there. there, It seemed like they were making decisions on, they were comparing her to other preemies. Right. Which she wasn't just another preemie. Um, so we had to look at, you know, her medical condition and say, okay, well, she's, you know, she's special. She's different than what you're used to working with. So how can you treat her as an individual instead of comparing her across the board to a preemie? Right. So for us, it was, you know, asking questions. Um, we tried to get second opinions. Our hospital, you know, kind of didn't Frowned want to. On that. Yeah, yeah, very much. Yeah. So we ended up moving her eventually because we, we needed, you know, she needed the care that she needed. So we took her out of the hospital she was into and we went to another one, which is, you know, the hospital that everybody goes to. Um, that we've talked to who has Down syndrome babies, who has a heart condition. Um, but it, our, we learned, ask questions. You know, why are you doing this? Get involved. Be as involved as you can so you know you know your baby the best because you can't rely on nurses. They, they yeah. change, you know, they have a 12-hour shift and they usually work two, three days a week. So you have to be your baby's advocate. Yes, yeah. and you have, you have to know, you know, does my baby, is this what my baby normally looks like? Is this their stool normal? You know, yeah. you have to know your child so that you can say that something's wrong. Right. So you have to be as involved as you can be. Luckily, we were able to be there all the time. You know, we had somebody to help out with our other daughter, and we were able to be there all the time. So we were able to watch her and be on top of her and know, okay, this isn't normal. Right. And step in and say, something needs to happen here, or, you know, why are you doing this? Yeah. Do we need, really need to do that now? No. So questioning was the, one of the things we learned. And she was in the NICU for how long? She was in there for 79 days. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. It was a very, very long, long time. Very long time. Very, I mean, we kind of pushed towards the end to get her out just because it was just came down to where she needed to eat. Yeah. Because most preemies, st- you know, they don't eat for a while. Okay. So, you know, because when they're born, a certain before a certain age, they don't know how to eat. So they have to learn to eat. And for her, with her complications and her heart conditions, she couldn't eat for a, an extended period of time. So she wasn't getting as much nutrients as she needed through the milk. So... At the end, she was, you know, she's on a feeding tube now that they put in through her belly. So she's able to eat, 
but they were just waiting to make sure she could handle it and we're you know can we do this at home where we're we're, we're all comfortable and and when they finally said yeah let's send you home we're like yes (laughs) (laughs) it was a relief (laughs) it's a very big relief to be home oh I'm so glad. Okay. Um, Vicki, is there anything you would add to that? I know there's probably a lot we could discuss, but any any big tips for parents out there? Molly hit the biggest one for what parents can do for the babies because you do know your baby the best. Um, but the things we advise parents to do, when a parent walks in, often the, the NICU is the very first experience they've had in a hospital, and it's a scary place. There's lots of tiny babies. There's lots of equipment, sounds. Everything is different. And so being patient with yourself, know that this is a new world. You have to learn about it. Ask questions. Tell people how you're feeling. Um, Give yourself permission to cry and be sad because you didn't have that term baby that you'd been hoping and dreaming for. Uh, Knowing that your baby does need you. um, Even though you're not making the decisions that parents of term babies are making, such as, this is my feeding schedule, and I'm going to bathe my baby now, and this is how I'm going to dress my baby. You can be there for your baby by um, touching your baby, talking quietly to your baby, um, putting a cloth in your, ba- uh, in your baby's bassinet or isolette, that's the incubator the baby stays in, that smells like you. All of those things help the baby to calm down and actually respond much better to the treatment that the doctors and nurses are doing. That's one of the things I would also suggest is finding support. Mm. The NICU we were in, we we weren't able to talk to their parents because each baby had their own room. So we were very isolated. So for the first, you know, few weeks, I was severely depressed because of I'm here by myself. My baby's struggling. We're having problems. My family's broken up. Um, So to be able to talk to somebody else and somebody who's been through it, and who's experienced being in the NICU because you can't talk to people who've never been there because they mm-hmm. don't understand. Mm-hmm. And they, it just it's nice to be able to, see, to have somebody else go, oh, yeah, I remember that. And, I, you know, I understand how what you're going through. And, and then the sleeping with the blanket. I slept with the blanket every night and then put it in my daughter's isolate so that she could smell me. And if mm-hmm. I w- didn't, if I forgot to do it, my husband would do it just so that she could smell us so she knew we were there. Because so we would spend the night with her. Mm-hmm. We were able to. Um, but just having her smell us was my huge thing because she wasn't able to breastfeed. So having her know that, okay, I'm still there. And then for moms who aren't able to breastfeed, a lot of them, a lot of NICUs won't allow you to breastfeed because they need to monitor how much the baby's getting in milk. Um, we would do skin to skin and I would just let her, you know, I would sit there with my, my breast out and she'd, you know, be able to lick it and smell mm-hmm. it. And so she knows that it's comfort as well as nutrients. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that was huge. I told, co- talked to a couple of the moms in the NICU once I was able to talk to their moms about it and told them and they thought that was, you know, it had never been suggested because the doctors beautiful. never thought about it. Yeah. They wouldn't let you pump even? I know they want to measure how much. Right. I was I was able to pump. Okay. So she was getting breast milk. Okay, But she, I wasn't able to just, she wasn't able to latch on. Of and, course. And plus yeah. their heart condition, you know, to latch on breastfeeding is really a, a hard thing sure. for them to do. So she wasn't able to go very long. She did in the beginning and it was great. She was able right. to latch on and, and nurse, but they want to monitor how much they're getting so they, they, you know, kind of push you to bottle feed. Sure. Yeah. Um, Vicki, before we wrap up our conversation, I, I wanted um, to give you an opportunity to tell people a little bit more about the March of Dimes. I think, you know, we all have heard of the March of Dimes before, but I don't know if we really know all the efforts and strides you guys are making in, in this area of premature births. So Molly touched on something that's very important to parents in the NICU, and that's connecting with other parents. So in addition to Preggy Pals, the March of Dimes hosts an online community of NICU parents. And you get there by going to shareyourstory.org. 
And that is where you can see other parents' stories or you can actually become interactive. You can sign on and talk to one another. And we've just updated that website so now you can find other parents in your geographic area. So that, that is very, very helpful. The March of Dimes, the mission is to improve the health of babies by preventing birth defects, premature births, and infant mortality. We fund research. We do professional and public education. We fund community services. And we also have a very special program called uh, the NICU Family Support Program that's active in over 100 NICUs across the country where we actually have a March of Dimes employee in the NICU and their sole role is to help parents through this experience and to find, find their role in taking care of their baby. And then last but not least, we do advocacy. We change laws so that we improve access to care and we get uh, like newborn screening tests done on babies so that we can identify problems that can be treated before the baby gets into trouble. Okay. Well, we're certainly glad this organization has been around. And, and for how long? It's like 75 years? Is that what I saw on, your, on, yes, on the website? Yes, happy birthday to us. I it's know, right? 75 That's years fantastic. old today. <laughs> well, not today. We're 75 years old this year. Yeah. Uh, we, were, we were founded in 1938 to find a cure for polio. Right. And no one sees polio in the Western Hemisphere because of the work of the March of Dimes. That is so wonderful. So awesome. Well, Vicki, thank you so much for being with us today and, and sharing your welcome. expertise and your knowledge with our audience. For more information about our expert as well as our panelists, you can visit the episode page on our website. This conversation continues for members of our Preggy Pals Club. After the show, Vicki will share some important questions you should ask your medical care provider if you think you're at risk for a premature birth. Before we wrap today's show, here's some maternity fashion trends from Crystal Stubendeck of Borrow for Your Bump. Hello, Preggy Pals. I'm Crystal Stubendeck, maternity fashion expert and founder of Borrow for Your Bump, where you can buy or rent maternity styles for a monthly rate. Today, we are going to talk about the upcoming fall fashion trends for moms-to-be. These little ideas and wardrobe essentials are stylish and versatile as your bump grows and can easily transform your look as a new season approaches. Trend number one is the long sleeve mini. The key to this statement dress is to show skin in some areas while keeping others covered up. We love long sleeve styles that show off more legs. The trick is to keep the fit loose and flowing. Add a belt or tie over the bump, which will create curves. For fall, we love the colors of condiments. Think olive greens and mustard yellows. To tie this look together, avoid a skinny heel and try a comfy wedge boot. Trend two is sexy stripes. Whether you are more on the hippie side or if you want to create curves, stripes is one detail that works for many body types. Stick with thinner stripes and dark colors. Wider stripes can make your bump and backside appear larger. Focus on a fit that hugs your curves and has ruched sides. This type of dress looks good on many body types, whether you want to create curves or even balance wide hips. Tie the look together with some flat knee-high boots. For our third trend, prints are all the hype this fall. Have fun with different styles, but make sure that the colors match. We love a silky print dress for a more dressed-up look with purple and aqua tones. Dress prints down by taking a fun print blouse and pair with skinny jeans. For colors, we love orange, navy, and cream with a tan boot. You're probably seeing this next trend everywhere, leather. We love this look for moms-to-be. Pair a comfy pair of stretched leather leggings with a basic gray sweater, or for a retro look, try a navy polka-dot blouse and a fun, rusty colored heel. Add a fun hair piece like a birdcage for a sleek style. Our final trend for fall is dressed-up details. 
An incredible cocktail dress that can be worn from fall into winter is a must-have. Spice up the standard little black dress and find the style with beaded detail on an empire waist. An LBD with a little bit of lace is also seasonless. Many of these fall trends can be found at borrowforyourbump.com. Enter promo code PREGGYPAL at checkout to save 20% on your entire order. Thanks for listening to today's fall fashion trends, and be sure to listen to Priggy Pals for more great pregnancy kits. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Preggy Pals. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Parent Savers, for parents with newborns, infants, and toddlers, and our show, The Boob Group, for moms who breastfeed their babies. Next week, we're launching a new series on Preggy Pals called Childbirth Choices, which explores some non-traditional options for birthing your baby, and we are kicking things off with an episode on home births. So this is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy your way. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.